0: we everybody. Welcome to the August twenty eighth, two 2015 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's get a quick take on the discovery this week from an EPA report that the agency did not check the rising pressure in the Gold King mine due to budget and time constraints. Pat Calhoun from Westward, uh, you know, I, I realize it's not an exact science when it comes to all the different mines we have in Colorado, but we hear things like budget and time constraints, and there was like something like 14 months between they found that out and the actual disaster. What was your reaction to this report?
1: Um, a lot of official butt covering. There is no excuse for what happened up there. We found out now they were, had warnings last year. They had warnings 10 years ago from the mine owner. So... Now you discover uh, photos are disappearing from the EPA website. It w- took a big fight to get the documents out. The more we find out about what led up to this, the less we're going to like it.
0: David Kopel from the Infants Institute and DU Law School. When you're seeing reports like this and with your legal background, do you think it's going to end up as a, as a pretty big fight for us to get more information that we need as citizens about the situation? Well, of course.
2: It's been a huge fight. The Associated Press, as Patty was saying, had to work very hard, and then EPA released finally obeyed the Freedom of Information Act uh, at 1030 Eastern Time on on Friday night. Uh, The Congressional Committee investigating has been obstructed. So now we say, is this the time at which we say we want EPA to take over all the water in Colorado? I would suggest not, and kudos to Attorney General Kaufman who was part of a 13-state lawsuit uh, that won a preliminary injunction from the Federal District Court in North Dakota last night saying that EPA's proposed plan to take over drainage ditches, intermittent streams, isolated ponds, waters that have always been under the control of the state of Colorado, uh, is illegal and an unconstitutional power grab because supposedly these relate to the navigable waters of the United States like the Mississippi River uh, which under the federal interstate commerce power, Congress does have some power to control but without Congress EPA is attempting to claim control over essentially all the water under the United States because supposedly that affects the navigable waters which is true in the same sense that if a sparrow uh, flaps its wings in Siberia that affects the future of uh, Uh, the Mexican government, but not really much of a genuine connection.
0: The the EPA's butterfly effect, I like it. Uh, Natasha Gardner, senior editor at 5280 Magazine, Uh, what was your reaction when you heard this latest report?
3: Well, not really surprised, and that's the problem. I think the EPA gets a lot of goodwill, you know, just sort of a general pass by the the public, like, they're the EPA. What, what could they be doing wrong? They're helping the environment. But it couldn't be more obvious in this situation that the watchdog actually needs a watchdog at times, particularly when a river turns the, the color of carrot soup. I mean, that, that's not good for our environment. I think the problem is that even if, even if they had paid better attention to the warnings, I'm not sure the funding would have happened. I think in our culture too often we have to wait for those floodwaters to to cascade down and ruin our waterways or destroy them at least for a week before we do something. The question would be how could we better have found that out and done something about it and funded it properly.
0: And Attorney Jessica Peck, it is fantastic to have you back. It's been a while since we have you you on the CIO panel, so thank you for being here. Wrap it up for
4: us. I think we need to get people rioting in the streets. And the way that we do that (laughs) is we follow the lead of Attorney General Kaufman and we put it in terms that people can understand. The EPA Getting into every sort of waterway, just like um, Dave was saying, is a very dangerous thing. That means every time we have a light rail station, every time we have somebody's lake and they want to put some sort of commercial or community um, development there, that everything will be stalled. We cannot trust the EPA. This is a, just another chapter of meet the new boss, same as the old boss. It doesn't matter, Republican, Democrat, who's in the White House. We need it, just as Natasha said, to have somebody there watching the watchdog.
0: Yeah. The Aurora movie theater trial officially came to a close this week as Judge Carlos Samore sentenced the defendant to the maximum length of time possible, over 3,000 years, in addition to 12 consecutive life sentences. Meanwhile, Dexter Lewis was given a life sentence by a Denver jury after being found guilty of first-degree murder of five people at Faro's Bar and Grill. Patty, it's uh, it was pretty amazing to see these two uh, big cases. Now, obviously, the Aurora movie theater trial was huge. Uh, almost international profile. The Faroes Bar and Grill trial, not nearly as high profile, but death penalty possible in both, both going to life sentences. Uh, Take your pick of uh, the myriad of issues we can talk about.
1: Well, first of all, kudos to Judge Samore, who held a great trial, very calm, a tough trial. Went speedier than most people thought it would it went more smoothly than most people thought it would it was never going to be fun because the stories are so horrific and then he put on that incredible capper to these months these years since the shooting three years ago when he said get the defendant out of my courtroom an amazing statement that really encapsulated what everyone says get this guy lock him up and we never want to see him or hear from him again i mean that's how we all feel about james holmes at this point I think we also are about ready to hear a lot about the death penalty. If you can't sentence James Holmes to death for that horrific tragedy, if you can't... um, Dexter Lewis, yes, he had a horrible childhood, but still, look at that crime. If he's not going to be sentenced to death, then is anyone in Colorado ever going to be sentenced to death? People say they want the death penalty, but when push comes to shove and there are 12 jurors in a room, they are never going to be unanimous in Colorado on that issue. And it's time to just say life in jail is going to be enough.
0: David, I mean, of course, with your legal background, I'll, I'll lean to you to answer something like this. The death penalty may not be a realistic, actual final punishment for a lot of cases. Obviously, it, it hasn't been for quite, quite some time. But does it need to be there so it can still be part of a negotiation for lawyers to get other deals? I Being totally unfamiliar with that side of things, I wanted to throw that to you.
2: Well, besides that, we had the most recent capital uh, verdict handed down by a jury in Colorado was in 2006. It's not ancient history. And the Chuck E. Cheese murderer would be dead and executed in this state uh, by the operation of our death penalty if not for Governor John Hickenlooper uh, deciding to uh, spare his life. That's, so we have a functional death penalty system which can sometimes be obstructed. We don't have to have, in, by the Constitution, a system that says at the phase three, when the jury makes its own judgment, that that has to be a unanimous decision. The conversation we can have about the death penalty in Colorado can include changing that. But our current system is for the community to decide, those 12, and I'm glad that the prosecutors in both cases went through the process and let the community decide. The Greek play Antigone and the multicultural myth of something called the the Grateful Dead where the band got its name from is about proper respect and burial for the dead and so besides the cathartic process for the families of the victims and their ability to testify and talk about how it's affected them this was also respectful to the actual victim the murder victims to have the process come out To have the jury reject the notion that James Holmes was insane and therefore excused uh, and not criminally culpable. To say that his aggravating fact, there were aggravating factors and no mitigating factors on his side. All that was properly respectful to the victims, and that's the process we have, and we should keep that process intact.
0: Natasha, we've heard from uh, reporters. Our own commentators, uh, I've, I've said it myself, we've heard from politicians, that a conversation about the death penalty needs to happen. We need to talk about it here in Colorado. I just don't know if anyone really wants to lead it. Do you think anyone out there, politician- religious leader, anyone, wants to lead the conversation?
3: Well, I think politicians don't want to because it's too much of a hot topic for them. It's a no-win situation for them. Um, Faith leaders, yeah, that would be a good starting point, but uh, on an individual level, this is something we should be having a discussion about with our friends and our family in our houses. Um, Well, I do think politically it is a hot potato. I would love for this to go in front of the Colorado voters. I think we're at that point. Um, I don't want to see what kind of crime would warrant a death sentence in Colorado if these two cases, horrific crimes, don't warrant it. We don't need to see that. But I do think Colorado has to have a question outside of some of the emotionalness of the awfulness of those crimes to say, what do we really want to do? Is this effective? Is it actually going to be something that takes place in 15 or 20 years after all the appeals are done? Is it something that we're going to still have in 15 or 20 years? Is this something that we need to change? And that should be in front of the voters so that we're forced to have the conversation.
0: Jessica, you're our other attorney at the table. Uh, do you think having a death penalty is a, uh, a needed negotiation point for lawyers in these kind of capital cases? Well,
4: it's interesting. I come here from a personal point. I live very close to Faroes where the murder was uh, in Dexter's case. I could hear the sirens for that. In addition, I also could hear uh, the uh, flight for life and all the helicopters hovering from the Aurora uh, massacre. So that's five miles from my house. In addition, my first day as a journalist was for Gannett, and I was in Terre Haute, Indiana when they executed Timothy McVeigh. So I feel like I've sort of had these baby steps. And all I can say is that jurors, supposedly, according to um, DA George Brockler, believe two or three of them believe in the death penalty. But you get them in the box, and they will not agree. And that is part of this process. And there's something called the Colorado Method, and that is the process of educating jurors about the death penalty and I don't think based on what we've seen in recent years, based on the different demographics, a black guy in Denver, a white guy in uh, Arapahoe County, we're not going to see a jury that's going to go for this. What I predict is that the death penalty groups and all the coalitions are going to get smart. They're going to get somebody like Rhonda Fields or another survivor we saw in the last case um, The death penalty um, in Arapahoe County, that was overturned because of a father coming out and saying, spare the life of my son's killer. We're going to see people like that, and that is going to be who leads this movement away from the death penalty. To Dave's point. It's cathartic. I'm glad that we have this space for victims, but we can't afford this. How many millions of dollars were spent in Arapahoe County? And I'm in that courthouse day in, day out. It was my, part of my legal practice. We don't have the money for this, and if we, it's about effectively and respectfully treating the victims and moving them forward to the next chapter of their lives. Let's use that money in an effective way that helps repair the damage done by these murderers.
0: A U.S. district judge issued an injunction this week allowing a group of jury activists to continue protests outside the Lindsey Flanagan courthouse in Denver. The decision stems from the complaint that Denver police removed the group's tent and seized those 1,000 jury nullification pamphlets outside of where the final stages of the Pharaoh's bar trial was taking place. Uh, David, admittedly, uh, when we got into the the legal details here, I didn't understand uh, a a lot of it, but it did seem there was a clear criticism of how the Denver police handled the situation.
2: Some of that clear criticism came from the Denver City Attorney in the extraordinary step of publicly telling the Denver police, cut this out, stop arresting people for handing out uh, fully informed jury." pamphlets. That's part of their free speech rights. And, of course, David Lane took the case to federal district court and won an injunction, a preliminary injunction from Judge Martinez saying exactly that. What happened after that was they set up in a plaza uh, chairs and a shade covering, and the the nicest way to interpret the what the Denver police did next was, well, there there are still rules against Uh, obstructing sidewalks and things like that, and they thought they were enforcing that. Whether that really applies to where these people were set up is questionable. Uh, They say in the latest round uh, of seizures, they didn't seize any uh, jury pamphlets uh, fully informed jury pamphlets. Um, I actually spoke with David Lane this, this morning. He says he's got ten witnesses who said they did. So you know, maybe the best defense the Denver Police Department would have is, well, if we did see these pamphlets, we didn't mean to. We were just like grabbing everything, so we weren't specifically grabbing those pamphlets for their communicative content. Uh, as again, in almost every place in the state. People can elect the chief law enforcement officer. They can't do that in Denver. The Hispanic uh, Leadership Forum has been proposing the idea that we ought to be able to elect the Denver sheriff. Same point goes for the chief of police, or you could consolidate that and say let's elect the manager of safety uh, who's in charge of both of those.
0: Natasha, obviously the Denver Police could be in the headlines for much worse reasons. I mean, as bad as this is, you know, with courts injunctions, things like that, it could be a lot worse. But this still is not where I would imagine Mayor Michael Hancock wants to see the Denver Police make the news. What are your thoughts?
3: Absolutely. I actually spent a good chunk of this year following the Denver Police Department learning about the Denver Police Department, reading about the Denver Police Department, and the story that actually hits newsstands um, this weekend. And and one of the things that's really important is this question of trust and loss of trust between the Denver Police Department and the community, and how do we rebuild that? Now, pretty much everyone in the city has different ideas for how that can occur, but one of the things that Chief White talked to me about was putting goodwill deposits into the bank with the community, to have these daily interactions with police officers that were positive to have the community feel like they could trust them so that when something tragic happened that they would have more established trust with the community. Uh, The problem is (laughs) they're not really great about putting those goodwill trusts deposits in when you have situations like this and the question that always it, it seems to come back to is that even if the police, if, even if the officers were justified in what they were doing, is what they were doing justifiable? Is it the best way to approach the community, to approach people who are petitioning on the street? Is that, is, are their actions what needs to happen in this community right now? And I think that's what the Denver Police Department has the biggest trouble figuring out today.
0: Jessica, the Denver police, I think, uh, they've been trying to do things right, but obviously not, not uh, really succeeding that well. It could be a lot worse. I don't want to make a mountain, too big of a mountain out of this, but um, it certainly could be better. What do you think?
4: Oh, I think this is huge. I think we should be rioting in the streets. That's and here's why. rioting there, Jessica. <laughs> I'm that's called, that's We need to be rioting. rioting. Very busy. <laughs> yeah. Very busy. We're going to be rioting all week, and here's why. You know, the average juror, the average person out there doesn't know what jury nullification is. The average lawyer... Maybe even a sophisticated lawyer doesn't know what the term encumbering means in the context of whether a police officer can lawfully take somebody's purse or their jury nullification pamphlet or whatever else from a public square. So we need to simplify this. Denver police, when there are citizens gathered and they are handing out pieces of paper to other citizens, walk away. Grab a pamphlet, read it, learn about it. Learn about things like encumbering or jury nullification or whatever else. But don't screw, us screw with us when we are engaging in our First Amendment right. Now, the police will come back, the city will come back and say, well, this was in the political context of we had this death penalty trial, we were worried that things were getting heated up before we were certain we were going to have a death penalty verdict in, um, uh, where we, we had this uh, black uh, suspect or this black uh, convicted murderer now. That didn't happen. But that being said, this is the time... and this is the context when we need our police officers and our city attorneys and our law enforcement officials to say go and peacefully assemble because if we don't have it there in the public square literally the public square we don't have a first amendment right in colorado
0: patty wrap it up for us
4: well
1: kudos to city attorney scott
4: martinez for even before the federal judgment came
1: down for saying this is wrong you know there have been some tough protests the protesters who marched and Um, hung things on the fallen officer's monument. This is not the same thing. These are guys just handing out brochures. If the Denver police can't, and being peaceful and sitting under a little tent, if the Denver police can't tell the difference, if they can't restrain themselves on something like that, then they are going to lose the confidence of the public.
0: The Colorado GOP Executive Committee voted unanimously to not endorse a presidential nominee in 2016 in its caucus. This comes after the National Republican Party amended its rules that require delegates to fully support the candidate that wins the caucus. Uh, Natasha, this got us into, like, the details of caucus work and politics and everything else. What it comes down to is that the Republican caucus in 2016 really won't attract a whole lot of attention, at least from the, the, the main candidate seeking the nomination. Do you think it was the right move?
3: It's certainly a risk. Even from a sort of geeky political aspect, it's kind of interesting because if they went to the convention and we didn't have a clear winner in this very diverse field of candidates, it would allow them to really, for the Colorado delegates to have a play. the question is, was that that one you know very small chance of that happening worth the the bad press that they've gotten out of this? Uh, probably not. The thing, though, that as we discuss this, yes, it might have some candidates pay less attention to Colorado, but if they're interested in the end game, if they're interested in becoming getting into the White House, they have to be in Colorado. They don't have a choice because with more than 30 percent of the population unaffiliated, if you look at under 26 voters, it's nearly 50 percent are unaffiliated. You cannot ignore. Colorado in order to get to the White House, so even though this might affect some of us in the next few months, in the long run, we're going to see plenty of presidential ads. don't worry:
0: I'm <laughs> not sure that's good news or bad news, Natasha, but I appreciate the sentiment. Uh, Jessica, for Republican politics, is this a, a smart move because it seems independent and, and thwarting a, a national policy that was um, controversial, or is it silly because now it loses influence?
4: I don't know. I've spent the last couple weeks just trying to forget that I've ever been a lifelong Republican or that I was involved in the Republican caucus system or Republican candidate. I'm just so obsessed with getting anybody with the last name Trump or Bush or Clinton out of my mind and kind of moving on from there. I think Colorado voters have this sense of entitlement that we need to be relevant, that we're not just another big square state out there. I think Colorado matters as part of the Rocky Mountain region. We are not California. We are not New York. We are not Texas. But I think it's kind of a a realization of what our place is kind of in the process. And maybe this allows us to take a step back, not just as Republicans, but as a state to say, hey, let's focus on more important things and get the cheerleading and the rah-rah out of the way and so we can get down more to the nuts and bolts.
0: Patty, it's the first time we saw the state GOP in the headlines for not with their own drama. Uh, what did you think of this particular issue?
4: I think
1: the Colorado Republican Party was sorry not to have had their name in headlines for a long, but for <laughs> at least five minutes, so they got back in with this. No one really, the Colorado caucus system is confusing enough to people without these arcane laws coming down on a national level. I would think right now, you would want to be as involved as you possibly could in this crazy, crazy Republican election. The candidates who are out there, have we ever had people talk as much about a presidential election in advance as many people talking about it? So I said, great, keep Bush in there, keep the Hillary Clinton scandal going, have people actually pay attention to politics.
0: David, was this the right move for Colorado Republicans?
2: Well, it's certainly harmful on one side, because when you bring people to the caucus, then you're self-identifying them, they self-identify as really active and engaged people. So, for example, when when my wife and I went to our Democratic caucus in 2008, I caucused for Obama, she caucused for Clinton, they got two names of people who are pretty involved and interested, and then the party can keep those names and follow up and, and... But with the Republicans, now there's much less reason to go to the caucus, because there may be no primary for state representative, and even if there were, a lot of people don't know about it, the, or likewise for your U.S. representative. They could have had a, a marquee-level thing to draw in a lot of people who could become more active Republican volunteers, contributors, get-out-the-vote folks, all, all that kind of stuff, and now they're, they're throwing that away uh, by not having a caucus that will draw uh, broadly.
0: It'll be interesting to see if the move the Colorado GOP makes uh, changes anything on the national level. If any other states catch on saying it's that, it's that national policy, but that will uh, to wait to see on that one. Let's get to our favorite part of the show, Disgrace of the Week, as always. Ms. Calhoun, start us off.
1: Well, it's possible the police officers who were taking those jury nullification flyers just wanted to be sure they could nullify a jury in case they were ever on trial, which no no police officers ever seem to be. But once again last week, Ricky Nixon, the officer who was involved in the Denver Diner fiasco, the Alex Landau beating was fired for the second time by the Denver Public Police Department because that's how tough it is to discipline bad cops. And all the good cops, and most of them are, should get behind changing that system.
2: David. Well, in, in Virginia, two journalists were murdered in a racist hate crime in which they were targeted because they were journalists. It's important that we recognize that this doesn't just happen here, that it's, it's a global problem. The Charlie Hebdo murders uh, in France got a lot of attention, but all the other journalists who have been murdered haven't gotten attention in the United States. There have been 41 journalists murdered globally this year because they were journalists, not because they got, you know, there was a uh, drunk driver or somebody ran them over, but targeted because they were journalists. There were 61 the year before. This is part of a, a global assault on free thought, and whether the perpetrators, whatever their particular ideology, like this racist guy in Virginia or ISIS or whatever, it's all part of the same fundamental evil of suppressing uh, freedom of thought and communication. Natasha.
3: Uh, and to continue on with that thought, one of one of my colleagues pointed out that this newsroom was really close to where Virginia Tech was, so that that newsroom who continued on that day, had also reported on this immense tragedy in American history. And what strikes me as somebody who's written about trauma and violence in our communities before is there's a lot of talk about the repetitiveness of trauma, how many trauma events it takes before the chemistry of your brain and your body changes. And if we look at our American communities, how many of them are like that, where they've had more than one or two or three, and certainly Colorado fits in there. So the sadness certainly within the media world, but for the rest of of our country as well. Jessica? Well, within this disgrace, I think there
4: is sort of hope. I think there's an urge with any of these stories to find the, the source of the target. You know, we talk about hate crimes. Yes, there's some sort of element of racism. There's some sort of element of uh this being journalists. But I think the most important thing that should come out of this is not whether these people were targeted, but just the fact the sheer magnitude in which we really do as a society need to support or that that we have this community that we don't support. We assume that journalists are bulletproof quite literally, emotionally, figuratively, in in the newsroom in terms of our criticism of them of them. I think this is a real opportunity for America maybe to take a step back and say that we support our journalists. In Paris, they marched on the streets. What are they going to do here now that we see this little news bureau in the middle of Virginia has been targeted? I think that we need to come out and support them as a country.
0: Time for just to say something nice about somebody. Patty?
4: The Colorado State Fair starts today. Get down
1: there over the next week or so. Support the fair and support Pueblo, which is in danger of
2: losing the fair. David. Larry Zimmer, who is going to return to the radio for his 42nd and final year uh, broadcasting Colorado, uh, Colorado Buffalo's football games. Natasha.
3: Denver Public School teachers, it's been a first week. I'm sure it was quite hot, um, but they do, they do important work. Jessica. Every parent who's
4: suffering as I am through our first week of middle school, we are coming to an end. There will be ice cream this weekend, and maybe we'll head to the Colorado Fair.
0: I'll throw one quick Say Something Nice. We want to uh, thank all the uh, different public television and PBS uh, colleagues that have joined us here at Channel 12 this week. It's been a wonderful time having you all here. We hope you have enjoyed your stay. That's all the time we have tonight. Thanks very much for tuning in. We have a special opportunity for all you Denver Bronco fans out there. We have three great tickets to the final preseason game versus the Arizona Cardinals next Thursday on September 3rd. For a chance to win them, go to Colorado Public Television's Facebook page and correctly answer this question. Who does Damian Lewis play on Masterpiece's Wolf Hall? You can tune in on Monday night at 8 to find out, and be sure to like the page when you do answer so that we can contact you if you're the winner. Remember that you can catch any part of the show uh, or CIO Postgame online. Be sure to check out CIO Podcasts on iTunes. And for everyone here at Channel 12, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you very much for watching. Good night.